0: Hey y'all, it's Shreya from Through My Smudge Glasses and I'm back at it again with this week's episode. Sorry it's a little late, I just had a couple of mishaps along the way trying to figure out this week's episode, but here it is, enjoy. Before we start, of course, we must make a little disclaimer. I'm just a sophomore high school girl wanting to find different ways to pursue my passion. Of course, I put my due diligence into my research and take pride in my work. This is simply another outlet for spreading ideas and STEM concepts. As always, be safe about your actions and be careful with your words. If you have any doubts about anything said on this podcast, ask me and I can try to help or ask a professional. So, at this point, 2020 has definitely deleted itself. It's only halfway through the year and there's so many things that have happened. I've researched and compiled a list right here, so here's all the way 2020 has changed our lives and why we will never all go, wait, what happened in 2020 again? Disclaimer, there have definitely been more things that happened, but these are just some of the 10 that I found. One. The Australian fires were still going on right at the beginning of 2020. The wildfires ravaged through bushes of Australia and were going on for about three months prior. The third state of emergency was declared on January 2nd of 2020. So many wildlife and people were uprooted from the bushfires that were ravaging around the edges of Australia. Endangered animals like the Dunnart were devastated by these fires, where they lost a lot of their population or had to be rescued. The Pentagon said that the U.S. military used U.S. drones to kill the top Iranian general, Qasem Soleimani. Excuse my pronunciation if I am off. The U.S. military took this action under Donald Trump's order. The Pentagon says that the reason for this call was because Soleimani was planning to attack U.S. diplomats and service members, and this action is what they called decisive defensive action. Three, the coronavirus happened, in case you didn't notice that's kind of going on. So, the World Health Organization was notified of the coronavirus, in China cases soared, in the US cases soared, and in Italy cases soared. Every continent basically shut down, and teenage angst hit an all-time high when we all had staying home to complain about, and masks also became political. 4. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry stepped down from their position as senior royals, to be financially independent from the British royal family. Five. Kobe Bryant, the NBA legend, and Gianna Bryant, his daughter and basketball player, had an untimely death in a helicopter crash. This caused mass grief for everyone who held Kobe and his influence close to heart. There were many tributes to him talking about how much of a model he was to everyone. 6. The United Kingdom withdrew from the European Union. This was met with protests and mixed opinions. 7. 7. Trump had an impeachment trial and process, but was eventually acquitted from his impeachment. He was found not guilty of abuse of power or obstruction of Congress. 8. The stock market dropped to one of the lowest points in a long time. This was caused by the shutdown of the economy that was caused by coronavirus. 9. The NBA canceled its season. Fans are heartbroken, and everyone was left with an uncomfortable gap in their sports-watching agendas. Does this mean no Super Bowl either? We'll have to wait and see. 10. Finally, the presidential election for the U.S. is going to happen in 2020. Who's it going to be? Everyone is there with their opinions flaring and social media is speaking out about who they want to be president, the issues, and everything else. There's a lot riding on this election, more than usual, as this president is going to have to lead the U.S. through the rest of the coronavirus pandemic and out onto the other side and so much more. That was me sounding like a great news anchor as we can see a lot of stuff has happened in 2020 and i'm here to talk about another one murder hornets someone give a medal to whoever named them because that is the most menacing name i've heard for an animal ever i am definitely intimidated as dwight said on the office r is the most menacing sound that's why they call it murder and not muck duck. i love doi <laughs> Let's start talking about these murder hornets. These murder hornets are from Asia, but please don't avoid Asian people thinking that the murder hornets are somehow under their control and will attack you. We already have enough implicit bias and discrimination, and we need to get rid of it, not increase it. Anyways, an inspector that was investigating this case of murder hornets actually thinks that maybe these hornets were smuggled. In their original homes, the larvae are soaked in liquor and eaten and drinking as a delicacy. It's actually believed to ease arthritic pain. Who knew? So, what are these murder hornets? Actually, these creatures aren't new. California had a spike in these in 2016, and recently, in September of 2019, a couple of farmers in the Pacific Northwest tracked down a hornet's nest and destroyed it. But the bees have apparently found a way to survive through the winter as two new murder hornets were found dead in the Pacific Northwest. This is one of those things that at this point in 2020, when everyone hears that this happened, it's kind of like, of course that's happening. Of course, the murder hornets survived the winter into 2020. Just to clarify, these bees are huge compared to other types of bees commonly found in America. It looks like a transport truck next to a Mini Cooper. It's just bigger in every aspect, especially when it comes to the anatomy of bees. It's kind of scary. Also, the hornets don't die like bees after they sting. Oh no, they can sting multiple times and still thrive. So they're a little bit different. The bee that was found dead on the road, scientists assumed that that was a queen bee, which means it, it's able to start its own colony, which is just great news for us. Now, what does this mean for us in the Pacific Northwest inhabitants, since that's where they were found? Well, looking at the numbers, Previously, murder hornets killed about 50 people in Japan each year, according to the New York Times. Murder hornets' stings inject more venom than honeybees', but as long as you aren't allergic to bees or sensitive to stings, you should be fine after a little bit of pain. Justin Smith, from the Southwestern Biological Institute and University of Arizona in Tucson estimates that it feels like 3 to 10 yellow jacket stings, but it definitely isn't one of the most painful stings in the world. They aren't called murder hornets because they kill you, which I guess can be a little misleading, but they actually kill honeybees. So murder hornets have to feed their young meat, unlike honeybees, so they kill honeybees as food. Though this means that they aren't dangerous for us as much, they can still hurt our bee population, which could have severe repercussions on our agriculture economy. Since murder hornets are an invasive species, scientists want to try and uproot them before they become commonplace because they might disrupt the ecosystem. An ecosystem is a natural and function of an environment so that everything in that environment can live and they all depend on each other. The ecosystem needs balance between everything living in it to be able to work the same way that it has, and a disruption or change in this can change everything for the organisms living in it. Thankfully. Recent bee populations have been hitting high, so they aren't considered endangered. But if the murder hornets become more common, this could bring the bee population down. This could have devastating effects on our agriculture if it got too low, since bees are one of the main ways plants get pollinated. And to produce food, plants need to get pollinated. Thankfully to combat this, a lot of scientists right now are actively trying to combat this and kill off invasive populations. Proactively destroying this problem is the best way to deal with this. It's not a reason to avoid going outside though, because even if this animal is an invasive predator species, it won't create a reason for you to not stay safe. A pandemic is definitely a reason to stay home, but a a murder hornet isn't really considered a major danger as long as you try avoiding them. Here's how you can avoid getting stung by one. Avoid wearing darker clothes, so basically wear white. (laughs) Hornets are more attracted to wh- darker colors, so they are more likely to come near you if you wear those. Also, since it's summer, darker clothes definitely attract more heat and make you sweat more, so white clothes for the wind this time. Two, avoid carrying sweet things that are open. So, like for picnics, bring containers and bring closed um, lids so that insects aren't attracted or bees aren't attracted. Basically, you want to make sure that the bees don't smell or sense sweet things and are attracted to them and therefore closer to you and three, my favorite tip and the tip that i use the most is just to stay still still, and not swat or scream at the hornet. it's one of my biggest freaking pet peeves, i don't know why, when people scream and swat at bees or run away dramatically. this might be my bias talking but if you aren't allergic to bee stings or things like that it's just not that big of a deal if a bee comes close to you. newsflash, bees and hornets aren't actively looking to sting you. just try to stay still, not aggravate the bee, and don't make it scared enough to sting you or try to sting you. So that's going to be the end of our segment on Murder Hornets. As you can see, it's something important to be aware of and just to make sure that you handle in the right way. Now we'll be moving on to a new segment of this podcast that I wanted to start, which is called "Q From You. And that's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm going to be asking you guys to give me questions on my Instagram stories, and I'll choose one to answer each week. And I'll just give my thoughts on it and recommendations for how you can combat the question, I guess. And so if you want to be, if you want to have your question featured on this podcast and answered on this podcast, follow us on Instagram at through my smudge glasses, spelled like the title and in all lowercase. This week, our question is from Sandy, and she asked, how can we get more involved? And I understand that with a lot of people staying at home and a lot of organizations not being open, we can all feel like we're just being a little bit, we have a lot more time in our hands and just want to do things with that time. So I get why, where and why this question is coming from. So thank you, Sandy, for asking that question. And here are my recommendations on how you can get more involved. So I think... If you're looking for something local, you should definitely Google and just research a lot. Just set out blocks of hours just to research into opportunities and just go deep into companies and organizations web pages because it can really help find opportunities locally. I guarantee you there's you don't know about at least 90% of the opportunities that are in your local area just because they aren't well known about and Google's going to be your best friend in searching for new opportunities to find. And so what I would recommend is if you find a organization or cause or a nonprofit that you really want to be a part of or just volunteer with, I would, if you can't find anything on their website about how you can get more involved, I would just recommend emailing or calling the CEO or just not even the CEO, like just a member of that organization to see if they can help you figure out how you can become more involved, because I guarantee you no non-profit or anything like that is gonna be weirded out that you asked you're just confused as to why you want to get involved because that's their whole mission they want to help people and help others so they'll be really excited when you show an initiative like that so if you want to get involved with a specific organization i would recommend just emailing or trying to find some way to figure out if if there's a way you can get involved and if they say no well then that's okay because that you tried and now you just have more opportunities to search up and google and things like that And if you also want to be involved in organizations specifically, I'm pretty new to this Instagram game, but I know that there's a lot of Instagram organizations that some are run by college students, some some are run by adults, some are run by teens in high school, and I know that a lot of these Instagram associations have a mission, and they all seem really organized and great, and you can, if you just scroll on Instagram, but like in a healthy way, like searching for organizations, and if you find one that you really genuinely like, You should definitely check out their page and any of their posts to see if they're hiring executive board members if you'd like to be a leader on that organization because I'm pretty sure that a lot of these organizations when they're starting out they want more help because starting an organization isn't easy so if you just check out opportunities like that on Instagram and find an organization that you're passionate about you can definitely apply to become an executive member but also if you don't want to become a leader and if you don't if you just want to get more involved as like taking action and things like that i'm sure you can become an ambassador for an organization if you dm them and check it out and you can also probably volunteer your service if it's a service-based organization and just donate clothes and things like that and on the other hand if you just want to create your own way for getting more involved like an organization I would just recommend two things. So the first thing is I would recommend having a plan. And I truly think that writing it out or typing it out, just having it someplace where you can look back at it is really helpful to figure out what you're trying to do with this organization, what your mission is. And I think if you have one of those, it just helps you Decide on future decisions and the course of action your organization is going to take and the type of organization you're going to have. If you have a mission that you want to stick by, I think that that just helps you proceed with a plan and you should also definitely have a plan when you're starting an organization because you don't want to start on a whim because that's definitely not going to help you if you are more planned about it and since it's not exactly a school project it's an entire organization and there's a lot of moving parts to it if you have a plan it's just easier for you to get started and work on it and just make sure that what you what your vision is is really being executed and then i would also another thing for um, these organizations that you're creating is, I know I said don't start on a whim, but I would also recommend that you don't prolong it too long for organizations and things like that. You can plan as much as you want, but it's never going to be real unless you actually start, unless you post that first Instagram post, unless you set up the website and launch it, unless you reach out to companies for collaborations, nothing's ever going to be real until you just take a stride on it and start once you feel prepared. So, my main tips for creating your own organization would just be to have a plan, have a mission, and also just to make sure that you really start, get going, and take action. And my final thing for getting involved is I would just make sure that if the reason that you're not getting involved or if the reason that you aren't being able to get involved isn't due to your own personal inhibitions, Like, don't stop yourself from getting involved by thinking that I can't do this or they won't accept me or they won't want to work with me or I can't start this organization because your own personal inhibitions is the only thing that you can consider and that you can change. So, just making sure that you aren't the the person that's holding you back from doing what you want to do, I think as long as you make sure that is happening you can just really get involved through any of these ways and eventually you'll find some place where you feel comfortable and you feel like you're making a difference and you'll really enjoy it. So those are my tips for Sandy's question of how can we get more involved? Stay tuned for the next cue from you and make sure to follow our Instagram to check out the new story that's going to ask you guys for questions and post your question there. That's the end of this week's episode of Through My Smudge Glasses podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate every one of you. Follow the podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify and Anchor.com. I'm still working on the other platforms, but I will get back to you guys soon when those are available. If you like this podcast, be sure to recommend it to your friends. Share it with your family. Leave a review about how you liked it. Follow the Instagram at Through My Smudge Glasses to get more involved. Over there, we have just polls and questions for a cue from you. I run a book club of books that I recommend and we talk about the books in the comments and it's really fun so go check it out. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a great day. Come back next week and bye!